something. There's always something. I was saying for the ones on Podbean, I'm Maria Mariano. I'll be celebrating my 58th birthday, September 24th this year. Whoa! Okay. And uh, I've been doing this podcast now for, I don't know how many hours, like, you know, in French and in English, I don't know, Marie-Pierre, what, 500 hours? We're probably at max. And I still haven't done one podcast where Either I'm starting late, either I'm, I'm, I forgot to charge my phone, either I can't find my earphones. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because if you seek perfection, you'll never do anything, okay? And if you expect to be good at something before 10,000 hours, okay, you will quit. And to be perseverant, perseverant, to be relentless, to be consistent is to be kind with oneself. Number one, understanding it's going to take 10,000 hours before we get something right. So for the young kids that don't know how to cook, it's not complicated. Do one recipe. At least, um, um, Stephen Ramsey, I was going to say. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay says, a hundred times before it can become a Michelin star recipe. But unfortunately, even there, the millennials, Melanie Miller, keep trying a thousand recipes, all tasting, ah, a Trish, oh, ah. So cut it down to a couple and master them. Anyways, that being said, I want to thank Marie Pierre. She's the astronaut of the podcast, okay? And we always laugh with that. She has a master's in biology and she chose to live her dream life. That's typical of millennials, by the way. Um, uh, and you're going to understand that if you have been following the podcast, they're not afraid. They are not afraid to do the unconventional. So thank you for being the millennial in my life, Marie-Pia. And she insisted last night, we got to do the appendix. And I, I absolutely, after covering it, I absolutely agree. You're going to love today's segment. So we're going to start with Melanie Miller who's going to be covering the first steps. And I want, you, I want you to take notes because it's all about what we can do to help millennials out. Then we're going to hop on to Marie-Pierre, what companies can do to work with millennials. Stop saying we hire them, they quit, uh, they can't accept criticism. No, there's a way to work with them. I love millennials. By the way, Melanie Miller, she knows me, Monique knows me. I am driven by millennials. They, they really bring me to be a better version of myself. But you know what? Not even having read the book, we're, we're doing exactly what the book says. We, we've learned it by experience. So don't wait 40 years to learn it. Read the dark. I was going to say the damn book. No, you can't say that. The dark book. <laughs> okay. And, and get with the program. Don't be like me 40 years later. I'm going to cover what you millennials can do. <laughs> that was my favorite part. As we were reading, I said, no, no, that's me. I'm the two by four. I'm going to tell the millennials what they can do. And then the close is going to be Melanie Miller. So let's celebrate them. Uh, celebrate our families. Let's lead by the example. Let's help them 
to ask for help, like be open, be humble, welcome them. And you'll see that together we're going to make this a much better world. So over to you, Melanie. Thank you, Maria. And uh, you know, Maria, probably one of the reasons that you and I love millennials is because we have children who are millennials. So we relate to them. We've seen them grow up. We know how they tick. So sometimes when Marie Pierre talks to me, it's like one of my kids talking to me. And so I love that about them. So millennials, they're a baffling group of people um, to many of the older generation. Uh, companies don't really know what to do with them. Uh, what they want often is they want things like open plan seating. They want flexibility of hours and flexibility of hours means maybe working through the night if that's what they want to do. They may want the companies to supply them with meals or here's a new one, laundry services. I love it. They crave job satisfaction. And as companies uh, try and um, get them to have some sort of a loyalty and engagement, because that is something that the millennials do not necessarily have. Um, and why don't they have it? Because they haven't found something that, that gets them. Right. And so they're always looking for that. Cynic wants to help companies um, and he has some some uh, suggestions, not suggestions, but he offers some perspectives as to why um, why millennials are like they are and what companies are going to do. And Maria and uh, Mary Pierre are going to do that. But one of the things is companies mustn't have empathy for them. They have to have empathy for everyone, but sometimes it's easier to have empathy for people you understand rather than people you don't. And so companies need to go that little bit further to try and understand them. There's nothing wrong with them, they're just different. And millennials know that they're, you know, they, they are different, but they also need to know that they're not alone, that the feelings they have of insecurity and being unsure of themselves, that's normal. You don't have to be a genius the first day you start work. You can grow with others around you to become stronger. And, you know, we need to share some tactics um, with them to help them grow, to help companies build circles of safety for them and end up with a healthy environment. They're a, as a generation, they are more accepting. And I see that in my family. You know, my two daughters, uh, Hannah and Susie, are totally accepting of Violet, my transgender daughter. And in fact, they tell me off many times when maybe I make a comment that's not appropriate, not about Violet, but about other things in life. Um, they want money and capitalism to be used for the good of others, not just to be spent on something arbitrary. And they're loud about their desire to make an impact. Uh, so they embrace entrepreneurial paths. I see it with my own daughter, Susie. She is setting up a gym with her, with her husband. And, you know, never in a million years at her age would I be taking the risks that she is taking. But she's hardworking. She knows what she wants. They're in it together. And I, all I can do is sit back and say, oh, my goodness, 
these millennials are amazing. I'm excited to be around them. So as leaders of companies, we need to acknowledge that they're different. We need to understand they're impatient and they often suffer from an addiction of social media. And how can we help them? Good old fashioned leadership. And that is what it all comes back to. So to tell you a little bit more about uh, what you can do, I'm going to pass over to Mary Pierre. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> so yes, that is actually what we can do in our company because yes, as a leader, you have to act maybe a little, a little different with those millennials. So there's a, a few points that they tell us in the book on how we can make sure that we help them grow but you will see that in practice all those concepts can be used for everyone in your organization and everyone will grow with those practices so yes it's something that you can use even though you are not working with millennials so number one they say keep conference room free of cell phone yes there should be no cell phone in conference room none zero why? Because cell phone use uh, use reinforce the dopamine rush that millennials and others. Because you will see with Melanie, it's not just millennials. She always said that in her family, it's her husband <laughs> that will get the, the millennials love to have those dopamine rush that they get constantly with the checking text, email, and alert. So when you don't have your phone. You just kind of enjoy the world and that's where idea happens. So idea happen when our mind can wander and you see something inspiring. So moreover, it's a chance to uh, turn to the person next to you and actually have a personal interaction. So number one, keep conference room free of cell phone. Number two is to encourage not taking on paper instead of computer. Yes, we love computer. We love how we can write so much easier and so much faster with our computer. But in general, every study will tell you that taking notes by hand allow you to remember the material better than typing those notes on a computer. So number two, encourage note taking on paper instead of computer. Number three, it's teach leadership. Everyone wants to have more courses about leadership. Why? You think it? there are so many people looking for podcasts, looking for um, those books about leadership, about the, being the better version of themselves. Everywhere you can see that people want to learn more about leadership. So make sure that you can offer those kind of training about leadership. For us, for Les Diamants, we have many opportunities about those leadership training. We have every month for everyone. We have those seminars that is three days, two days now, <laughs> that we can learn more about leadership because yes, we want to know example what we sell, but it's really how we can sell. It's with our leadership that we can really grow our company and grow uh, uh, as a human being so you can do some research it's really easy to say okay what can i offer if i want to offer more uh, leadership training because just to manage stress uh, 
to know how to collaborate in your team to improve the team performance, to know about mindfulness practices, to know uh, how to make decisions. All those things are about leadership. Number four, it's teach how to give and receive feedback. Because giving and receiving feedback is a learnable, practice, uh, practicable skills. So getting better at giving feedback is not simply about giving more feedback. It's learning how to give it positive and negative. And similarly, receiving feedback is not simply about demanding feedback. It's learning how to receive it positive and negative, then knowing how to act on the feedback when it's offered. So for receiving feedback effectively, you have to listen to the feedback given. So this means not interrupting. Hear the person out and listen what they are really saying, not what you assume they will say. Be aware of your response. Your body language and tone of voice often speak louder than the words you are using. Be open. This means being receptive to new ideas, different opinions, and understand the message. So make sure you understand what is being said to you, especially before responding to the feedback. So ask questions for clarification if necessary. And reflect and decide what to do. So assess the value of the feedback, the consequences of using it or ignoring it, and then decide what to do because of it. Your response is your choice. And then follow up. There are many ways to follow up on feedback. Sometimes your follow-up will simply involving, involve implementing the suggestion given to you. In other situations, you might want to set up another meeting to discuss the feedback or to resubmit the revised work. And for giving effective feedback, now you want to concentrate on the behavior and not the person. So one strategy is to open by stating the behavior in question, then describing how you feel about it and ending with what you want. Balance the content. So use the sandwich approach. So begin by providing something about a specific strength. This will provide reinforcement and identify the things the recipient should keep doing. Then identify the specific area of improvement and ways to make change and conclude with a positive comment. And be specific. Avoid general comments that may be of limited use to the receiver. Be realistic. Feedback should focus on what can be changed only <laughs> and on your feedback. So when you're offering evaluating comments, use the pronoun I rather than they or one, which will <laughs> imply that your opinion is universally agreed on. And be timely. So make sure that you um, you seek the appropriate time to communicate your feedback. And being prompt is key since feedback loses its impact if delayed too long. And delayed feedback can also cause feeling of guilt and resentment in the recipient. Uh, if the opportunity for improvement has passed and offer continuing support. So feedback should be a continuous process, not just an one event, one time event. Now we go to number five. <laughs> number five is take advantage of your millennial because instead of complaining that millennials aren't showing up or aren't engaged, use them as a barometer of how you are doing as a leader or to gauge the kind of culture your company is building. So consider that older generation may not in fact be more engaged in their work, but rather they are just 
better at faking it. And yes, there are studies that are showing this. Exactly. So a few ideas, make sure to mentor and support them because maybe sometimes they, they don't have the courage to ask for it. So be there. Lead by example. So show them the hero you are in the daily life. Talk about your failure because it helps them to understand the reality of the journey. Give them the opportunity to fall and not to fail. To fall because when you fall, you can try again and get up. <laughs> Offer them more opportunity to develop the human skills and help them love themselves. And they are the leader of the future, yes, but we are the leaders right now. So be direct. And I think it's exactly what Maria will continue with. She will be direct with you <laughs> this morning. <laughs> oh, Marie-Pierre, I love, 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 love. You know, clarity, precision, directness. They, they hate when you're talking to them, but we're pretending to talk to a general room. Um, so we need to be very clear. Anyways, I said, I said to Marie-Pierre and Melody, I'm doing the next part is what millennials can do. So now I'm talking to all your millennials out there. I'm talking to my son, Hamid. I'm talking to my daughter, Nadia. I'm talking to my daughter. Yes. You like it, Melanie? You're absolutely right. This is why I enjoy working with them. I didn't realize it until you said it. Okay. So what can millennials do? Are you guys ready? Solve your own darn problems. Okay. I always laugh. Yasmin, as soon as she has a situation, she calls me. I said, figure it out first. If there is no other alternative, then call me back. She never calls me back. It's like an instinct they have. Yes. Ask for help. Once you tried absolutely everything, once you Googled absolutely everything, once you've um, went through all your resources, yes, reach out. I reach out because what happens when you reach out, when you tried everything, now you're building a relationship with me. So if you're a millennial and you come and see me, you know, I'm going to talk about Audrey, right? Our brand new superstar. I think she's going to be our next rising millionaire in less than five years. And she comes and see me. We can build a relationship now, a fun relationship, because she's going to tell me everything she tried. And I'm going to learn from that. And then I can give her feedback. So it develops incredible relationship if you try first to solve your own problems. How about this one, Melanie? Finish what you started. A big, big, big issue with millennials. They start and they never finish anything. As soon as there's a hump, oh, this is not for me. Stop it. Nothing is for us, not even a marriage. You know how many times I wanted to throw Mohammed out the window? by closing the window first, probably him the same thing, of course, right? Finish what you start. I'm in a multi-level marketing business and I tell the, the, the new members, I tell them, listen, I'm not telling you it's gonna be for you, but if you decided to join us, you've got to perform for 13 weeks because there's so our program is so rich in the first 13 weeks. And I tell them at least when you quit and you give up, you're going to say things like, I tried it. It wasn't for me. May golly, I walked away with $2,000 cash and $3,000 in gift. And this is what I, I want millennials to understand. Everything you start, 
finish it, okay? Every task must be carried out to completion. It will make you much more resourceful and it will make you a greater problem solver. How about this one? Millennials out there, please beg for criticism. Oh my God, I hope Hamid Nadia Yasmin listens to this one, okay? Stop always looking for compliments, for recognition, although it's absolutely important. Being recognized for our strengths does wonders for our self-confidence, absolutely. However, being told only what you're good at reduces your opportunity to grow as an individual. And I don't know about you, Melanie Miller, but I'm, I'm going to take Nadia. As soon as I go in and I'm, I'm just about to recommend something, she's on her high horse. Like, you would swear to God, she's two years old and I need to put a sauce in her mouth, a pacifier in her mouth. Like, really? Um, please, please, please understand, you need a balance. You need a balance. Yes, recognition, but also criticism. Find people, but not from everybody, not from anybody. I want you to understand. I don't want my kids to accept criticism for, from anybody. So one day, Yasmin says, uh, so-and-so, I won't say the name in case they're listening to the podcast, so-and-so told me this, a criticism. And I said, Who, what did so-and-so do in her life? Did, was she a successful swimmer? Was she an, a, a, you know, an upper average in school? Was she a participant in the community of St. Leonard because she lives in St. Leonard? Was she, was she, was she? I go, who are you accepting criticism for from my girlfriend, my, my, my daughter? I said, this is not a person you accept criticism from. So please find people, millennials, please find people who you respect, admire, that you're willing to exchange your wallet with them and you're willing to exchange your lifestyle with them. These are the ones you're gonna network, build a relationship and accept criticism from. I have no problem accepting a criticism from, from somebody who's better than me, who's done more than me, who contributes more than me. But I will never accept criticism from somebody who has done nothing for the community, who has not grown as an individual because it would be insane. Anybody, Melanie, does it make sense the way I said? Okay, good. Uh, the next one I wanna ask millennials, please sacrifice credit. Millennials are like so oh, up on the, up on, it's me, it's me that gave that idea. Me too, I did it, me too. Stop your bibi lala, okay? It's childish. Like, I don't know if you can say that in English. It is so childish of you. Sacrifice credit. Let other people have the credit, even if you do it too. Let other people have the credit, even if it's you that shared the knowledge and it worked. There is, it, there is a humble magic in feeling an immense sense of joy and proud in seeing someone else get the public praise for your coaching, for your mentoring, for your suggestion, for like, oh, you have no idea that the ultimate joy, millennials, is to see somebody on top of their game and you know you were the wind beneath their wings, okay? Please sacrifice credit. And now over to Melanie to do the close, what we can do as parents. This is absolutely her field. <laughs> 
This is because I don't use two by four when I. <laughs> okay, so parents, we have a tremendous power to guide our children, and um, you know there are one of the big problems with millennials is their addiction to social media, their addiction to phones, their addiction to computers. Their addiction to everything. And while in some ways that can be a problem, in other ways it can teach you as parents a lot as well. Because certainly I learned from my daughter Violet, who was always on the computer, that you can actually have relationships through a computer screen. However, what can we do as, as parents to control that whole cell, cell phone uh, mentality? Because what we don't want to end up with is dopamine-driven kids from a very early age. I know that when my kids were growing up, the rule was you didn't get a cell phone till you were 14. Well, I know now that would be totally out of the window. Although I do question the need for children still in elementary school to have a cell phone. I really question that. Um, so maybe you can do a contract with your kids. Some people suggest contracts where um, you know, maybe they can have it at certain times of day where uh, they can have it in the house, there's certain rooms in the house, never in the bedroom, for example. But we had a rule in our house that all computers had to be used in the family area so we could always see what was going on. There was no computers in the bedroom, even when they were teenagers. Um, so you have to lead by example though. You can't tell them one thing and then do something else yourself. And that is where a lot of parents fall down because the, the behavior they display, because what you have to remember about kids is you are their number one example of how they're gonna proceed in life. And so if you have your cell phone always with you at the table, you have your cell phone in the car ready to grab it the moment that there's a ding, you're going to find that you are producing kids. They will copy you. You are their example of life. So ask yourself, do you sleep with your phone? Is it at the side of your bed? If it is, guess what? Your kids are going to do the same thing. Um, and what, what we really, really have the most influence on is how do your children spend their time? As an adult, do you give yourself at least half an hour a day to go out and exercise? Because if you're not doing it, your kids are not going to do it. Um, do you give yourself time every day to read a book, for example, or listen to a podcast? Is there time where you are trying to develop yourself? Because if you're trying to develop yourself, maybe your kids will. But the most important thing, the most important thing is, what are your kids doing? Are you keeping them busy? Are they involved in activities? Uh, my kids were, um, my two youngest were all involved, were involved in ice skating. We were at the arena at 6 a.m. in the morning, three days a week, and then other days they were doing uh, ice skating after school. They got involved in things like guides because things like guides take them on activities at the weekend. They go camping in the bush, no cell phones. 
I mean, there are activities that you can encourage your children to do to keep them not so much occupied, because that sounds like you're giving them some sort of uh, occupational health therapy, but to keep them engaged in other things, to make them excited about other things, to make them want to interact with other people. The most important thing is when you are interacting with your children, are you giving them 100% attention? Do you have family game nights where cell phones are banned? Do you engage with your children and listen to them? Not with half an eye on a phone wondering when your next message is coming in. You are the key to your kid's success. Don't let them become dopamine addicts. So that is uh, the end of our podcast today. So thank you, thank you everyone for joining us. And we will be starting a new book tomorrow. So that's it. And it's called Find Your Why. It's the third, it's the trilogy in Simon Sinek books. So uh, that's it from us. Bye everybody.